This is Her Machine 49. You listen to Her Machine at Reboot FM. Terrestrial at 88.4 FM in Berlin or 90.7 in Potsdam or on the World Wide Web. Free artist radio from Berlin, Reboot FM. Her Machine. 49, it's about fragments of machines, machinery, labor at the day of labor. But isn't it every day? Every with, about, without labor? Mr. Turing said already in 1947 that no man adds very much to the body of knowledge. Why we should expect more of a machine? At least you can you can find something a bit different already hundred years before the fragments on machines by Karl Marx, where he was talking about writing about the Grundrisse that the machine has something more than the structure. It wouldn't be limited to managing distracting entities closed off to one another. But in fact, Marx had quite different point of view on the general intellect, on the body of knowledge, as Turing said. Let's think about that. Let's think about another definition. Another definition of labor. Perhaps also of machines, machinery. A machine 49. and 
Before automatic production could become significant, some entirely new type of power would have to be developed. A power far more flexible than falling water, or even steam. Controllable electric power, which could make automatic production practicable throughout industry, appeared in the 19th century. The step-by-step -step development of continuous automatic production was accelerated as early as 1919, when automatic blowing of electric lamp bulbs was begun at Pitney Glass Works in Cleveland. In 1938, five automatic machines were connected with transfers to form a continuous production line for machining and polishing flat iron castings. The idea of continuous automatic production of automation was here progressing from the processing of flowable materials like grain and molten glass to separate items like flat irons. And then, in the late 40s, developments in electric power and control helped to make possible a line for the automatic machining, honing, drilling and boring of automobile engine blocks. This greatly increased productivity worked to the advantage of everyone. For this company today employs many more thousands of people than it did in 1947. This natural evolution in industry is developing automation as a way of manufacturing that can do much to improve our factories, products, and profits, and upgrade our workforce today and in the years just ahead. Progress in automation comes at a time when we will need it most. The United States, once an essentially agricultural country, has become the world's most important plant for the production of goods, with plenty of room left for food and fiber crops. Each person works for the other. All consume each other's goods and products. Our numbers are growing fast, but our demand for goods is growing much faster. At the same time, business is getting more and more competitive. For if demand is growing, so is supply, as new competitors appear or old ones increase their efficiency. To hold or to build our share of the available market, we must cut production costs by applying the principles of automation. Manufacturing operations can be separated into three broad groups. First is the manual area, where physical effort is used to perform operations by hand or with the aid of hand tools. Second is the mechanization area, where manually operated, power-driven machines with varying degrees of control are used to perform one or more operations. Third is the area of continuous automatic production, where automatic machines are integrated with transfer devices and with controls to perform a series of continuous automatic operations. Materials handling begins in the manual area as a separate operation. In the next area, mechanization of materials handling is introduced. In the automation area, 
It is an integrated part of all operations. How automatic can we get? Except for process industries like oil and chemicals, the highly automated factory is still far in the future for most manufacturers. And progress comes from finding operations that can be upgraded, if only one step at a time. But the pressure of competition is bringing about step-by-step -step progress towards continuous automatic production, towards more and better jobs and greater profits. Automation principles, wherever they have been adopted, have proved their value in every way. First, automation pays for itself within reasonable time. Automation increases efficiency. Machines can be kept running longer at full capacity without shutdowns and delays for loading and unloading. Workers are upgraded. The emphasis shifts from manual to mental skills. Automation conserves manpower, a critical requirement as the demand for products grows far faster than the labor force. Automation improves quality by reducing manual handling. And there is greater opportunity for building inspection into the process. Automation increases safety. Machines move and lift. Human fatigue is greatly reduced. Automation reduces in-process inventories by the continual movement of materials. While continuous automatic production has not been entirely achieved, some industries are close to it. Bulk production was once a batch operation. But as early as 1919, development toward continuous flow began. In this glassworks, 46 types of bulbs are produced. Here is an operation high in the automation area. Glass biscuits are automatically produced by pocketed rolls turning against flat rolls. Chain conveyors are
the marching jobless corps No work in the factories No more manufacturing All the tools are broken, rusted Every wheel and window busted Through the city streets we go Idle as a CEO Idle as a CEO Well, one, two, three, four Join the marching jobless corps We don't have to pay no rent Sleeping in a camping tent Dumpster diving, don't take money Every bite we share with twenty Let the yuppies have their wine Bread and water suit us fine Bread and water suit us fine Well, one, two, three, four Join the marching jobless corps Worked and paid our union dues What did years of that produce? Houses, cars and other shit For the richest benefit what do workers get for pay? Hungry, broke, and thrown away. Hungry, broke, and thrown away. What do you think about that music?
King Pauline de Partaban, ruler of Siberia, was a great warrior, and being an advocate of the methods of modern strategy, above all else he prized cybernetics as a military art. His kingdom swarmed with thinking machines, for Pauline to put them everywhere he could, on the planet Cyberbosks of Cyberghosts rustled in the wind, Cybercaliops and Cyberviels sang. But besides these civilian devices there were twice as many military, for the king was most bellicose, there was only this one problem, and it troubled him greatly, namely, that he had not a single adversary or enemy and no one in any way wished to invade his land, and thereby provide him with the opportunity to demonstrate his kingly and terrifying courage. In the absence of genuine enemies and aggressors the king had his engineers build artificial ones, and against these he did battle, and always won. However, the subjects murmured when all too many cyberfoes destroyed their settlements and towns, and the king wearied of the war games on the planet, decided to raise his sights. Now it was cosmic wars and sallies that he dreamed of. and saw the royal engineers built on the moon a splendid computer, which in turn was to create all manner of troops and self-firing gunnery. The king lost no time in testing the machine's prowess this way and that, at one point he ordered it, by telegraph, to execute Volt Volt Electrosolid, for he wanted to see if it was true, what his engineers had told him, that that machine could do anything. If can do anything, he thought, then let it do a flip. However the text of the telegram underwent a slight distortion and the machine received the order that it was to execute not an electrosolid, but an electrosaw, and this it carried out as best it could. Meanwhile the king conducted one more campaign, liberating some provinces of his realm seized by Sibbknechts. He completely forgot about the order given the computer on the moon, then suddenly giant boulders came hurtling down from there. Fuming, he telegraphed the moon computer at once, demanding an explanation. It didn't reply however, for it no longer was, the electrosaw had swallowed it and made it into its own tail. Immediately the king dispatched an entire armed expedition to the moon, to slay the dragon, but there was only some flashing, some rumbling, and then no more computer nor expedition, for the electro-dragon wasn't pretend and wasn't pretending, comma and had moreover the worst of intentions regarding the kingdom and the king. The king thought and thought, but he saw no remedy, to send machines was no good, for they would be lost, and to go himself was no better, for he was afraid. Suddenly the king heard, in the stillness of the night, the telegraph chattering from his royal bedchamber, the king jumped up and ran to it, the apparatus meanwhile went tap tap, tap tap, and tapped out this telegram. The dragon says Pauline the Partaban better clear out because he the dragon intends to occupy the throne. The king, ran down to the palace vaults, where stood the strategy machine, all done very wise, he had not as yet consulted it. 
since prior to the rise and uprise of the Electrodrug they had argued on the subject of a certain military operation, but now was not the time to think of that, his throne, his life was at stake. He plugged it in, and as soon as it warmed up he cried, My old computer, my good computer, it's this way and that, the dragon wishes to deprive me of my throne, to cast me out, help, speak, how can I defeat it? Ah, uh, said the computer, first you must admit I was right in that previous business, and secondly, I would have you address me only as Digital Grand Vizier, though you may also say to me, your ferromagnetic. good, good, I'll name you Grand Vizier, I'll agree to anything you like, only save me. The machine word, churred, hummed, hemmed, then said, it is a simple matter, we build an electrosaur more powerful than the one located on the moon, it will defeat the lunar one, settle its circuitry once and for all and thereby attain the goal. Perfect replied the king, and can you make a blueprint of this dragon, it will be an ultra dragon said the computer, and I can make you not only a blueprint, but the thing itself, which I shall now do, it won't take a minute, king and true to its word, it hissed, it chugged, it whistled and bust, assembling something down within itself, and already an object like a giant claw, sparking, ugging, was emerging from its side, when the king shouted, old computer, stop, Is this how you address me? I am the Digital Grand Vizier. Ah, of course, said the king. Your ferromagnetic, the electrodragon you are making will defeat the other dragon, granted, but it will surely remain in the other's place. How then are we to get rid of it in turn? By making yet another, still more powerful, explained the computer. No, no, in that case don't do anything, I beg you, what good will it be to have more and more terrible dragons on the moon when I don't want any there at all? Ah, now that's a different matter, the computer replied. Why didn't you say so in the first place? You see how illogically you express yourself? One moment, I must think. It hummed, it huffed, and it said, we create a general theory of the slaying of electrodragons of which the lunar dragon will be a special case, its solution trivial. Well, create such a theory said the king, to do this I must first create various experimental dragons, certainly not, no thank you exclaimed the king, a dragon wants to deprive me of my throne, just think what might happen if you produced a swarm of them, oh. Well then, we will use a strategic variant of the method of successive approximations. Go and telegraph the dragon that you will give it the throne on the condition that it perform three mathematical operations, really quite simple. The king went and telegraphed, and the dragon agreed. Now, said the computer, here is the first operation, tell it to divide itself by itself. The king did this. The electrosaur divided itself by itself. 
but since one electressor over one electressor is one, it remained on the moon and nothing changed. Is this the best you can do cried the king, running into the vault with such haste, that his slippers fell off, nothing changed. Comma the operation was to divert attention, said the computer, and now tell it to extract its route the king telegraphed to the moon, and the dragon began to pull, push, pull, push, until it crackled from the strain, and it, trembled all over, but suddenly something gave, and it extracted its own route, the king went back to the computer. The dragon, extracted the root and threatens me still he shouted from the doorway. What now, my old, I mean, your fairer magnificity, be of stout heart, it said, now go tell it to subtract itself from itself. The king hurried to his royal bedchamber, sent the telegram, and the dragon began to subtract itself from itself, taking away its tail first, then legs, then trunk, and finally, when it saw that something wasn't right, it hesitated, but from its own momentum the subtracting continued, it took away its head and became zero, in other words nothing, the electressor was no more, the electressor is no more, cried the joyful king, bursting into the vault, thank you, old computer, many thanks, you have worked hard, you have earned a rest, so now I will disconnect you, not so fast, my dear, the computer replied. I do the job and you want to disconnect me, and you no longer call me your fairer magnificity. That's not nice, not nice at all. Now I myself will change into an electressor, yes, and drive you from the kingdom, and most certainly rule better than you, for you always consulted me in all the more important matters, therefore it was really I who ruled all along, and not you. And huffing, puffing, it began to change into an electressor. Flaming electric claws were already protruding from its sides when the king, breathless with fright, tore the slippers off his feet, rushed up to it, and with the slippers began beating blindly at its tubes. The computer jumped, choked, and got muddled in its program. Instead of the word electressor, it read electressource. And before the king's very eyes, the computer, wheezing more and more softly, turned into enormous, gleaming, golden heap of electrosource, which, still sizzling, emitted all its charge in deep blue sparks, leaving Paulinda to stare dumbstruck at only a great, steaming pool of gravy. With a sigh the king put on his slippers and returned to the royal bedchamber. However from that time on he was an altogether different king, the events he had undergone made his nature less bellicose, and to the end of his days he engaged exclusively in civilian cybernetics, and left the military kind strictly alone.
It has been said that computing machines can only carry out the processes that they are instructed to do. This is certainly true in the sense that if they do something other than what they were instructed then they have just made some mistake. It is also true that the intention in constructing these machines in the first instance is to treat them as slaves, giving them only jobs which have been thought out in detail. Jobs such that the user of the machine fully understands what in principle is going on all the time. Up till the present machines have only been used in this way. But is it necessary that they should always be used in such a manner? Let us suppose we have set up a machine with certain initial instruction tables, so constructed that these tables might on occasion, if good reason arose, modify those tables. One can imagine that after the machine had been operating for some time, the instructions would have altered out of all recognition, but nevertheless still be such that one would have to admit that the machine was still doing very worthwhile calculations. Possibly it might still be getting results of the type desired when the machine was first set up, but in a much more efficient manner. In such a case one would have to admit that the progress of the machine had not been foreseen when its original instructions were put in. It would be like a pupil who had learned much from his master, but had added much more by his own work. When this happens I feel that one is obliged to regard the machine as showing intelligence. As soon as one can provide a reasonably large memory capacity it should be possible to begin to experiment on these lines.
Femmaschine 49 This is Femmaschine of labor machine fixed capital transposition of powers of labor into powers of capital both in fixed and in circulating capital to what extent fixed capital machine creates value Lauderdale machine presupposes a mass of workers Capital which consumes itself in the production process, or fixed capital, is the means of production in the strict sense. In a 
broader sense, the entire production process in each of its moments, such as circulation, as regards its material side, is only a means of production for capital, for which value alone is the end in itself. Regarded as a physical substance, the raw material itself is a means of production for the product, etc. But the determination that the use value of fixed capital is that which eats itself up in the production process is identical to the proposition that it is used in this process only as a means and itself exists merely as an agency for the transformation of the raw material into the product. As such a means of production, its use value can be that it is merely the technological condition for the occurrence of the process. Yeah, it use the value can be its use value can be that it is merely the technological condition for the occurrence of the process, the site where the production process proceeds, as with buildings, etc or that it is a direct condition of the action of the means of production proper, like all matière instrumentale. Both are in turn only the material presupp Both are in turn only the material presuppositions for the production process generally or for the employment and maintenance of the means of labor. The latter, however, in the proper sense, serves only within production and for production, and has no other use value. Originally, when we exam Originally, when we examined the development of value into capital, the labor process was simply included within capital and, as regards its physical conditions, its material presence, capital appeared as the totality of the condition of this process and correspondingly sorted itself out into certain qualitatively different parts, material of labor. This not raw material is the correct expression of the concept, means of labor and living labor. On one side, capital was divided into these three elements in accordance with its material composition. On the other, the labor process or the merging of these elements into each other within the process was their moving unity, the product their static unity.
In this form, the material elements, material of labor, means of labor and living labor, appeared merely as the essential moments of the labor process itself, which capital appropriates. But this material side, or its character as a use value and as a real process, did not at all coincide with its formal side. In the latter, first, the three elements in which it appears before the exchange with labor capacity, before the real process, appeared merely as quantitatively different portions of itself, as quantities of value of which it itself, a sum, forms the unity. The physical form, the use value, in which these different portions existed, did not in any way alter their formal identity from this side. As far as their formal side was concerned, they appeared only as quantitative subdivisions of capital. Second, within the process itself, as regards the form, the elements of labor and the two others were distinct only in so far as the latter were specified as constant values and the former as value positing. Yeah. The former as value positing. But as far as the distinctness as use values the material side was concerned, this fell entirely outside the capital's specific character as form. Now, however, with the distinction between circulating capital, raw material and product, and fixed capital, means of labor, the distinctness of the elements as use values is posited simultaneously as a distinction within capital as capital on its formal side. The relation between the factors, which had been merely quantitative, now appears as a qualitative division within capital itself and as a determinant of its total movement, turnover. Likewise, the material of labor and the product of labor, this neutral precipitate of the labor process, are already as raw material and product, materially specified no longer as material and product of labor, but rather as the use value of capital itself in different phases.
its masters will plan out instruction tables for it, thinking up deeper and deeper ways of using it, its servants will feed it with cards as it calls for them, they will put right any parts that go wrong, they will assemble data that it requires, in fact the servants will take the place of limbs, as time goes on the calculator itself will take over the functions both of masters and of servants. The servants will be replaced by mechanical and electrical limbs and sense organs. One might for instance provide curve followers to enable data to be taken direct from curves instead of having girls read off values and punch them on cards. The masters are liable to get replaced because as soon as any technique becomes at all stereotyped it becomes possible to devise a system of instruction tables which will enable the electronic computer to do it for itself. It may happen however that the masters will refuse to do this, they may be unwilling to let their jobs be stolen from them in this way. In that case they would surround the whole of their work with mystery and make excuses, couched in well-chosen gibberish. Whenever any dangerous suggestions were made, I think that a reaction of this kind is a very real danger. This topic naturally leads to the question as to how far it is possible in principle for a computing machine to simulate human activities.
Nature builds no machines, no locomotives, railways, electric telegraphs, self-acting mules etc. These are products of human industry, natural material transformed into organs of the human will over nature, or of human participation in nature. They are organs of the human brain, created by the human hand, the power of knowledge, objectified. The development of fixed capital indicates to what degree general social knowledge has become a direct force of production, and to what degree. Hence, the conditions of the process of social life itself have come under the control of the general intellect and been transformed in accordance with it. To what degree the powers of social production have been produced not only in the form of knowledge, but also as immediate organs of social practice, of the real life process. The machine has something more than the structure it is not limited to managing and striating entities closed off to one another, but opens up to other machines and moves with their machinic assemblages. It consists of machines and penetrates several structures simultaneously. It depends on external elements in order to be able to exist at all. It implies a complementarity not only with the human being that fabricates it, allows it to function or destroys it, but also by itself in a relationship of alterity with other virtual or actual machines. was a machine about around 
fragments on machines, machinery, labor, with quotes and texts by Alan Turing, Karl Marx, Antonio Negri, Stanislav Lem, and others. Within the soundscape, you heard notes by Luc Ferrari, Emil Philipson, and bits of pieces. The Machine 49. 